Well, Lyman, thank you for uh, being here. Uh, you know, you're one of the only guys within the rodeo industry that I'm aware of that specializes in mental performance. And, you know, you and I had kind of one brief conversation and it was enough. I was like, hey, why don't you just come in? Let's let's do a podcast. I kind of want to go into a, a deeper dive into kind of the mental performance side of things and, and what that looks like. So thank you for joining me today. Well, I appreciate you having me. Appreciate the opportunity to get in front of people and let them know, uh, you know, my job, I take it pretty seriously because I have a passion to helping people learn how they operate and how to use it to benefit them to get whatever it is they want. And since I already have grown up rodeoing and grew up on a ranch, you know, with my great grandfather's ranch and my dad and grandfather, they put a put a, uh, we, we used to gather wild cattle since I was 11 years old off ranches that sold and stuff. So we'd go get Mavericks all over Arizona. And so the country lifestyle, I was coaching some athletes and my wife and I kind of decided, hey, why don't we just do the team roping? And then we'll talk about some ideas later that is like, that's not maybe the best financial move because they're not as prepped for it as the other events you know whether it's baseball golf football basketball but this is what i'm already doing and i'm already at the events why don't i help my buddies right right i like that i think to start this off we're going to just talk about optimal mental performance right like what does that look like when someone's in the right mind state to compete what does that look like so for me a lot of people, I've heard a lot of your podcast and a lot of the pro guys were talking about the right mental state and they attach it to technique a lot, which is, is fine. The mental state comes before the actions that you take. It's do you believe you can do whatever it is you're about to do? Do you believe in your preparation, in yourself enough? We call that a, your BS, your belief system. Do you know that you can accomplish what you're getting ready to accomplish? And if you know that you can rope that steer, no matter what the condition or circumstance is, if you know you have that ability and you're confident in who you are and your talents that you have, that's the ultimate mental state that you want to get to how do you get to the point where you know like what does that mean because there's there's the certain aspect of training that has to go into play and then the actual belief system like hey i believe i can do it that i've trained enough that that's going to shine through today so how does that work like when does that become the 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 knowing i guess of, of that so you let's clarify because there do you, let me ask you back a question because belief is awesome. Believing in yourself, if you didn't believe in yourself, you wouldn't start. But knowing is unexplainable because if you believe you can do it, that's a great start to it. And that is a big help to your psyche. And then it allows your physical to do that. But to know that you can do that, and you asked, when does that 
come, it's different for everyone. But if you know who you are and not just believe in yourself, once you know who you are, then you can do whatever it is in front of you with ease. I'm going to just speak personally, but I truly believe like, like if I like to look at myself, like for example, if I'm like playing golf, I, I can really relate to it. I think I can do a lot more playing golf until I start playing golf, right? That's, that's one of the things that I, and I, I think a lot of people are that way is they believe they can do more until they start actually doing it, right? When they think about what it takes and they envision that and then when I go out to the golf course, it usually doesn't go the way. It always goes a different way, right? <laughs> but I, it's weird. I always believe that I can. And even okay. when I hit my next shot, I, I believe that. But there's a certain spot to me where the work ethic has to match up with my belief. And then that, that's what creates knowing, right? Is I've, mm. I've hit that shot enough times to know that I can do it because I've seen myself do it. Right. So then it then technically that would become that's where the knowing is. You've done something so many times that the belief is becomes no. Is that is that kind of where we're going? You're, with this? you're hitting the nail on the head. First, you have to believe um, that you're capable of doing whatever. Just fill in the blank. And in our world, we're talking about team roping. So, you know that you can head and you know that you can score. You know that you can handle. You know that you have the horsepower. You know you can ride. You've done that. And so can you always improve? I think we're always going to improve. And if you're not improving, you're going backwards kind of. But there has, that's where that knowing comes is whenever you make that shot a hundred times in a row, now you're more confident based on the result. The result, you believe you can do it and then you proved it by taking physical action and doing it. And now that result comes a lot easier and sometimes it's just not going to work out because that's how life is. Right. And how you deal with that will set you up for success or failure in the future as well. To me, there's the self-assessment is what okay. needs to come next, right? If, if we believe we can do something, then we need to evaluate that. So how do you evaluate? And when I, I guess where I'm going with the evaluation is like, let's say I need to make a certain type of run and I believe I can do it. I then create that type of run practicing, right? Well, how do I optimize that? Or what does that kind of look like as far as that, that path? But it's more of the self-evaluation, knowing like, how do I pick out the weaknesses? How do I pick out whatever I need to do to get the most out of that? Yeah, so what you're, you're talking about is knowing what you want to do and then setting up the situation and then practicing that situation. So if you're going to rope steers that are fresh and they might hesitate when the gate pops and sitting on your horse and then having to run them down because it's a long score and you know, what, what are the things that you need to master physically? And so, but you have a mental image of that. You use your imagination long before that happens. You, especially after you've been roping, once you know how to rope, now it's just understanding the situation and you can imagine that exact same situation and how it feels. And so the, uh, the power of visualization and using your higher mental faculties, which imagination is key to that, is when you imagine you doing that exact run, it's just as effective actually making the physical run on a horse. 
And a lot of people don't understand that. Well, take me through the visualizing and what that does. Because uh, I think the like from the talks that I've had, pr- probably on the podcast and what we've we've done a little bit is the the one I believe in the most is like doing it before you do a task. Like if I'm gonna hit a golf ball, for example, or rip the dummy, whatever it is. I visualize it before I do it, then I do it, and then I visualize me doing it correctly, whether I did it or not. Or if I did it correctly, then I just kind of replay that back in my head, and that's kind of the the three things that, like you turn three into one. And so that one, that one made a lot of sense to me because you get the feel of the real thing, and then if something did go wrong in the real thing, you can kind of check that on the f- after it's done and kind of go through it. But that's that's kind of the the best like the visualization that I've been able to use. Um, so take me through maybe the ones that you could be using in the practice pin day to day and ways to visualize, but also the other one, which I haven't had very much success with is on your way to the rodeo or your way to the jackpot, like that type of visual, you know? Yeah. And so for me to visualize, you don't have to be on your way to a jackpot. You don't have to be right there in front of it. Visualization can be done the most effective time to do visualization is right before you go to bed and right when you wake up. And is that because your mind, is it just like a, like a less, uh, what am I thinking of? Your mind yeah, so is not probably like running as fast. Like thinking well, there's as many. four states. So you have beta, alpha, theta, and delta. Those are the four states. And there's gamma. We won't get into that because that's incredibly deep, long conversation, but that's Part of the mental game is when you get in there for a while. I mean, that's a year to two in. But uh, beta is just operating. Whenever you're in game time, there's three states of beta, actually, low, mid, and high beta. But actually, we'll just simplify it and shorten this. It's beta, alpha, theta. Theta is a hypnotic state. So that's the state that the person who hypnotizes you gets you to. And so right before you fall asleep, you're going into theta because you go from uh, beta to alpha and then you go to theta and then deep sleep is delta. And so then right when you wake up, the first thing you're thinking about, it makes a, it's almost like suggesting in the hypnotic state to do something and it, ta- it and you don't have your conscious mind getting in the way is the sh- simplest way. It, it just is accepted by the subconscious mind. Before uh, before you go to bed or right right when you wake up, um, is there certain techniques that you use or suggest when you have someone visualize or what has been like proven to, to kind of maximize that? So let me do what I would do with a client with you right now. Um, do you have a perfect run? Let's say, let's set up a situation because of your level. So let's, situation is, you're high call at the title fights at Rancho Rio in Wickenburg, and you have to be eight flat to win the roping. Okay. Okay, so I want you act like you back in the box and tell me what that perfect run looks like for you. Um, I mean, basically, I just ride my horse in. Um, I always do it the same way. I kind of swing my rope the same way that I always do. So that kind of puts me in to like a, like 
manual mode as far as like getting my body prepped. So I can kind of just see me kind of going in there, taking the circle to the right. My horse usually doesn't hit the corner just perfect. So I'm going to get him almost to the corner. I'm going to ride him forward and then I'm going to get him into the corner. I'll know what he feels like when he scores. And then when he does, like when he's in that spot, I will, um, I will just be looking for the steers move. And with an eight five or an eight second run, that's a very easy run. So, um, basically with that, I just know I need to focus on riding my horse and I won't even worry about my rope at all because that's just nothing in play at that time. So I will just follow my reins out of the box is what I say to myself. Like, that's my thing. Make sure my horse stays in between my reins and my feet. So when I do that, I ride him. Um, I've been to that arena, so it's kind of funky with the right over there. Like it doesn't rope very good. And so I'll know, like you can kind of get into a weird spot and you'll need a little extra momentum. So I'll just ride through there and um, I won't even think about my rope. It's just, I'll get to my spot and I'll throw my rope. And then the thing I've been, I think that's most important when you're there <clears throat> that I've wanted to focus on would be the actual like handling and making my horse work a little bit better because really once you're at eight flat, you've got to make it very easy for your healer. So how my hands will feel when I'm setting the steer and some stuff that I've been working on, that's what I'll kind of do. And I will and visualize those things. Um, so let me stop you here. Um, you know what you want, but putting it out there, like I asked you a very simple question. Yeah. What's your perfect run look like? And then there was one thing that I, I want to bring your attention to is when you talked about your horse setting up in the corner, you're like, he doesn't like this or something. I didn't ask you how your horse works in the corner. I asked you what your perfect run right. run is. And you didn't even tell me that your healer roped two feet and you were seven flat. So the reason I asked this is because I had to get here to your place. Mm -hmm. How did I know where to come? I had to ask you what your address is. Yeah. And so I knew where I was and I knew where you were. So I can look up on a map and now I know how to get there and how long it's going to take me. A lot of times we get so bogged down in the little details of roping that we just don't let it flow. And I've heard a lot of your podcasts where those pros are like, when I get on a roll, I'm just score, ride, and rope. Right. That's all I'm doing. And there's nothing else going on. I'm just score, ride, rope. The setup doesn't matter. I'm just score, ride, rope. When they're in the zone, I've heard that maybe a hundred times. And so the reason I set you up for the short round, just to be more specific, let's go over that run again. Let me tell you what a perfect run looks like for most of my clients after I've coached them a little bit. And then I want you to tell me your perfect run. And that, that'll give you a little, a little help. So I ride in the box, I'm always smiling because I'm getting ready to do what I love to do. So I'm smiling, I usually talk to the shoot help on the way in or something, hey, how are you guys doing? I ride my horse in the corner, I get him set, I look over, make sure my healer's right, then I go right to my target. My target is the base of the left horn when I'm heading. So I get my horse, I pick him up. When that steer's ready, I nod. Steer, I watch my target move. That steer moves and the World Series setup is what I rope at most of the time. That steer moves, I go. I run to my spot, crack it on slick horns, pick that steer up, pop him off. My healer comes around, ropes two feet. I face, smile at the flagger right out the back. Now that's my visualization. That's my perfect run. 
And the key part to this is I know how that feels. And the feeling that I invoke with that visualization, the only way visualization truly works is if you have that run picked out that you did and it felt so good. That emotion is what makes the visualization work and solidifies it into your subconscious mind and actually who you are. And so now I'm going to ask you to go back before you ask another question. Now I want you to go back to that same scenario and I want you just to tell me what your perfect run looks like so it's clear and simplified and you know what you're going to do. I mean, same thing, right in the box, hit the corner. When I've got a good read on the steer, I nod my head, whatever the start is, follow my reins out of the box, ride to my sweet spot, head him, do what I'm supposed to do, handling the steer, healer gets him face. That's, I would say that's like simplified down yes. that. Yeah, and this is the thing is, you've heard of KISS before, right? Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I think in our lives, we overcomplicate the simple things. And this is where our conscious mind will get in front of our subconscious mind that already is programmed to do the right thing, to make the adjustments. And I'll clarify that a little bit with you is because if you know about your conscious mind and your subconscious mind, the key thing to know about it, your conscious mind is what you see, taste, touch, hear, smell. Your subconscious mind is kind of that intuitive part of you, that feeling. It's the essence of you. And we can get into a little more detail on that. But that's your conscious mind operates about 40 bits of information per second, which is quite a bit. But your subconscious mind operates at another level. Right. I've heard it from it's, a neurosurgeon. He says 2 million bits of information per second, but he's doing the physical brain. I'm talking about the spiritual, your soul. The Dr. Bruce Lipton, he says it's 40 million bits of information per second. I just read a book that said it's over 100 million bits of information per second is your subconscious mind. And so... There's something that I, I want to throw out here just to kind of catch you off guard a little bit and see how you react to it. What if I told you that muscle memory does not exist? I'd call BS on that. I like it. I wanted you to call BS on it, but it's actually terminology. I will agree that muscle memory exists if that's the terminology you want to give to your subconscious mind but it's actually just your subconscious mind operating at 40 million bits of information per second. That's muscle memory. That's the mind telling your body and the blood flow where to go. Because if I asked you to raise both of your fingers, hands and wiggle all 10 fingers and wiggle your toes all at the same time and shake your head and talk, you could do all that. But did you say shoulder, elbow, tendon, first knuckle, second knuckle on my pinky? Did you consciously do that? No, I, I mean, I guess where I go with this, though, right, when we're saying uh, muscle memory, to me, like, I think it's what the association is tied to muscle memory, right? So I believe that what muscle memory is, is being able to do something without thinking about it. So it's your subconscious that can do it. So I'm going to okay. go to like heading steers, for example is I just, I have a certain run that I've done a lot that I know that I don't have Money. to think about. Like when we talk about um, your perfect run, if you put me in a scenario like that, um, 
there's been times where I have missed that steer, but I honestly don't think I'm going to. Like, I, okay. I don't even, even if I do miss them, I don't even worry about it because I know I catch so many of them. Yeah. But I would say that's like my muscle memory. Like, I can, I just trust that so much, that feeling that I have, that I know like what to do, how to react. And I can just process that at a high level because my subconscious is completely taken over. So what you're talking about is your subconscious is taken over and it's a trained subconscious that takes over, not there muscle memory. And so it's a trained programmed and it's actually a response. A lot of guys on your podcast and things, they talk about, you just have to react. Yes, reaction terminology. Now we have to kind of define some of these terms. It's not a reaction. That's what animals do in fight or flight. But when an animal is trained to come around the corner and they see a funny hop, if you ever you know, ride a colt and that steer takes a funny hop and comes back at that horse and he ducks away from him because you know, he just sees, oh, something's coming at me, and he ducks away from him, that's his reactive state, not his trained response. But after you've roped 1,000 on him or 10,000 or whatever it is for that horse, you come around there, that steer can hit him and he's just going to stay in his position because he is trained. So that's a programmed response, not a react. That's not a reaction. That is actually a trained, programmed response. And so it's kind of messing. It's it's. I just like that little shock value that muscle memory doesn't exist. I mean, you could see. You know, this is a podcast, but I lost my thumb six years ago. That thumb with the muscles in it doesn't remember me and is not moving, and I'm telling it to move right now. Right. No matter how hard I try, it has no memory of me. It's just, it's just dead, whatever, where it is, you know, dirt now or whatever, dog food and maybe manure. <laughs> Heck, I don't know. Uh, so it's <laughs> one of those things that we talk about these terms and, we, and we're, what we're describing is actual just your memory and your program. And so if you understand that it's not just this magical muscle memory by doing you know, a million times, you do this a million times, you create muscle memory. If you've done something a million times or a thousand times or 10,000 times, how come it's still every once in a while you screw up? It's not the muscles that are screwing up because the muscles have the, capi- the capability of doing it every single time, but sometimes they don't. And what is causing that? Well, I would suggest to you, it is your mind out of alignment. Is that focus? Well, it's whenever you... So, all right, I'll, I'll throw this out there. Um, I know times rodeoing. I have the same mindset. Like, I think the same thoughts. I get in the corner, and every once in a while, something weird will creep in my mind as I'm nodding my head. And I'll, like, look. I, I remember it happened this summer. I, like, looked at something on the shoot or someone, like, right there and just had this weird thought as I'm nodding my head. Like, I, I, like, I, I have nodded, and then I see it, and then I, like, like it was, it was a weird distraction and it didn't take away from my run, but it was really odd. Like I, I made a note of that just because I was like, this is not something That's that weird. happens. Yeah. Like, so I, I think the, so when I, when I like break down the mental game, like focus and concentration mm-hmm. is, is a huge component, right? Okay. So I want to touch on this for a while but i i gotta ask like we'll, we'll get back to the focus and concentration yep. point because i think we the one thing we did get away from a little bit was when we're talking about the program for your mind and that training for your mind so how do you optimize the physical 
not optimizer, optimize or marry physical training with mental training together? Like what does, what does the perfect harmony of that look like? So for me, it's always, we already touched on this a little bit. First, you have to believe that you can do whatever it is you set your mind to do. A lot of people have a lack and limited mindset. I grew up and we were lower middle class and I have a lot of old programming that was based on lack and limitation. And let's just take it out of rodeo for a little. Well, let's put it in rodeo. I, my dad would say some things. My dad would go buy horses. My dad, cowboy, handy. My grandfather, amazing. And very blessed to have them in my lives. We could take Bronx horses that were blown up in the box. And they had all the talent in the field. And we would fix that because why we'd go put wet saddle blankets out them over, you know, 12 hour, 14 hour days in Arizona in the summer, you know, you know, late spring. And they come back and they like that arena a whole lot better. And so my dad would buy 500 to $1,500 horses. I grew up buying junk, you know, what other people would consider junk. And I always saw kind of something, but that was my lack. I did not think I had enough money to go buy that eight. When I was growing up, 8,000 was a lot of money. 5,000 was a lot of money. I would go buy that $1,500 horse, $1,000 horse, $800 horse that someone couldn't get along with because I had a lack of limitation. Instead of buying the good one, knowing that then I don't have to do all the training, I can just go win. So that was a limiting belief that I took from my father. Not intent. He never intended that for me, but it's just the way when you hang out with people, we have so many limiting beliefs. Like when you started X Factor, I'm sure you're like, I don't know if this is going to work. You know, some good days, some bad days, some things you think, and just like roping, some days you're just on and you cannot do anything but win. And you're like, then you go to some days and you, everything you do might be perfect and you still don't come out with a check. And so then people start fighting their head because they believe it's limited. There's a, a limiting belief. There's not enough to go around. And this world is full of, an abundance of everything that you need. But we look at it from a different perspective, which is a higher mental faculty that a lot of people, when you change your perspective, you can change anything. And a lot of people say roping is hard. I know a lot of people say that roping is easy. Who's right? I don't think either one of them are right. They're both right because it's their perspective and, they're, and yeah. that's what they believe. And unfortunately... If I believe it's hard to make money, which is how I grew up, it's hard. You got to go do hard work and you trade time for money. Oh my goodness. That is a difficult way to make money. Right. Especially whenever I was growing up at $5 an hour. But it's one of those things that now you can make that a minute if you want by thinking and doing things differently. Okay. So the belief system has to be there um, for the... We're at, we're at optimal training, right? Yep. Marrying this. So we've got to change our belief system. Here's a statement I'll say while you're say, thinking of the rest of that is when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And that starts with you. How do you see yourself? This is always key. Do you think you're good enough? And it's one of those things that is amazing. We are usually, all of my clients up to this point, I think maybe one didn't fit this, but they're usually their hardest critic. They're harder on themselves than anybody else is around them. And they'll tell me things like, if I do my job all day 
I have a good day. But if I, and, and my partners let me down or whatever, it's not a big deal. I'm not going to quit my partner and, you know, it's okay for them to screw up. And they'll, but I can't handle it if I screw up. And I, and I always ask them, I mean, what makes you so special that you're not allowed to make a mistake? Right. And you'll forgive somebody who might have let you down or whatever, didn't do their job. You forgive them, but on yourself, you're beating yourself up for a week, a month. I mean, I had a guy that come to me that he's, you know, late 50s, and he remembered 1991 in Chockchilla. What does that look like as far as you start to, to view yourself mm-hmm. and what you want to accomplish? Okay. Does what stop that for most people, is it, I would say it's fear. Because mm-hmm. they're, they like have their, this is a way out, right? Like this is an excuse to not even try. Right. And when you start seeing things for like what it could be, it's, it's kind of scary because it's like, it's a big, like if you don't, if it doesn't work for you, it's a huge failure. I, I at least that's kind of how like I would see that. Like that's kind of how, like how I tie that, but also like, so We've got our belief system, like what we believe we can do. And yeah, then do you believe you can? So the, let me help answer a quick question for you. If you make a decision to do something, whether you succeed or fail is not the important part. It's making the decision and sticking with it. Um, I'll tell you the story that brings that home is uh, Thomas Edison. He created the light bulb. They said he had 10,000 failures before he created the light bulb. 10,000. And that's not even the most important part of this story. When Napoleon Hill interviewed him, he asked him, what would you be doing if you hadn't figured this out? And he said he looked me dead in the eye, and he goes, I would be in my laboratory still working on it instead of messing my time out here with you. Because he was dedicated to do something that no one had ever done but he knew he could figure it out. And because he had what some people call 10,000 failures, he called it 10,000 steps. He just said, every time something didn't work, I was one step closer to figuring it out. Oh, this doesn't work. So now I know that, now I'll go this direction. And it guides you to the path. But he was so dedicated to, he wrote it down and it was clear. He made the decision to create a bulb. He didn't call it the light bulb. to. He wanted to create a system to get us get them off the kerosene lanterns that they had. And he wrote that down. And he stuck to it. And if anybody that you've talked to, when they stick to anything, what do they get? They usually get it. I mean, whatever. Every time they yeah. get it. Every anytime you stick to some, some people don't even start because they see that there's ways it might not happen. They won't even start. They have this great idea. How many people have had the idea to create the light bulb? How many people have had the idea before the Wright brothers to create flight and never did it? Flight was here. We just had to figure it out. It was here long before the Wright brothers created it. There's starting yeah. belief. And then I think the next thing with that is the process or the love of what you're doing. Mm. Right? Because that's when you, if like Thomas Edison's a great example, if you'll fail something 10,000 times, you I obviously be in love with it. Yeah, you, you love what you're doing <laughs> or you love the process of the day to day. So that becomes a, a big aspect of it too, right? Um, is H. that so like, because I'm trying to like, 
I know that this is weird because I don't know that you can put it into a, a bottle, right? Like what optimal yeah. mental performance kind of looks like in, in your mind. And, but I'm, I'm going with like, all right, belief, starting it. Then like, let's say that I have decided I've on my goal, I, this is what, I know what it looks like. I know what I'm going to be doing. So what does the practice look like at that point? Because now we're at the process, right? The practice and, and I, you know, as of right now, I love it. You know, it looks like I'm going to stick with it, right? That's yep. in my mind. That's what it looks like. And you don't even have to love it to be master it. I don't know if Thomas Edison loved, you know, creating the light bulb, but he knew what he wanted to do. So he was going to stick with it, whether loving it helps. There's no doubt about it, but believing that you can do something and you're going to do it because you want it accomplished for whatever reason, he had a bigger why. And what you're talking about is you're wanting to get down to the practice pen and the physical. The physical takes care of itself once the mental's done. You'll talk to the right guys. You'll, you'll find yourself in the right places. I found myself here talking to you on this podcast to help people with the mental game because this is what I'm passionate about. And so how did that happen? Did I plan that? Did I practice for this? How would I practice to come on a podcast? You know, And how did you practice being a podcaster? And getting to this point, doing it for how many years have you done this? I don't know. I just know that we're, we're doing it and we're going to keep doing it. That's you're it. doing it and you keep doing it, just like roping, right? And so you, you've been doing it for a while. And if you know the why, you'll keep going. Whether you love, because sometimes it's, some days you wake up and you don't feel like it. And that's where discipline comes in. And I think that's what you're trying to get to is, if you have a big why, you will get up and rope in the rain and the snow and the, and the heat. You will figure it out because you have a bigger why. Why do I want to be a world champion? And if you know, can answer that, most guys that I talk to that are going down the road, well, I want the gold buckle. I want to, why? And for them to put it in exact words is very difficult. A lot of us don't figure out the why. If you figure out the why, the actions take care of themselves because you will get up at 6 a.m. or before work. If you have a, you know, you got to be nine to five job and you could drive an hour in and drive an hour out, you will find that time for practice on the dummy. You will take a dummy in the back of your truck. You will do whatever it takes. You will watch the videos. You will do anything that takes care of itself when you know. And I'll give you an example because I just listened to the last one I listened to on the way down here this morning from Lubbock is uh, Jade Corkle and Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. There is it Coke. Uh, Hunter Cook. Cook. And so I've heard it in many different ways and I'm like, I don't know. So anyways, so Hunter, he had success really quick and then made the NFR. Was that his first year, his rookie year or his second year? I don't believe it was his rookie year, but it was early. I mean, he's still very young. So, oh, it's, yeah. he's, you know, he's he's had a lot of success. And yeah. And so the one thing is he goes when he was roping. I like Jade asking the question. He's like, how did you get here? He's like, I just decided as a freshman, this is what I wanted to do. And I wanted to go. And so the when he made that decision, the power of a decision is so underestimated and no one understands it. When you make a decision... The, then the way will be shown. I made a decision to get here to Texas to speak to you. So now I could fly, I could drive, I could ride my horse. Right. And if I was determined to get here, and then what if my truck broke down? Well, I would rent a car. I would get a flight. I would get another truck. I would fix it. 
I would just overcome that deal, but I know where I'm going and I will always get there. Sometimes it's not as quick as I'd like, and sometimes it's much easier than I ever assumed. But by him making a decision, he had success when he hadn't really, he was a four, you know, and then a six, then an eight, according, you know, I don't know him, but just listening very rapidly. And I know guys that are 50 and 60 that have all kinds of talent, but they never believed in themselves and never made a decision to go higher. And they're still a four or six or seven. Right. And they're never going to progress past that because they never change their mind about who they think they are. <laughs> so how does one decide why? Um, Cause I, I go back to this, uh, the kind of the question I asked earlier is the, the self-awareness, the ability to self-evaluate, um, I think that's very important in this process of mm -hmm. why, because that's kind of comes down to like, hey, what do I want to exchange my life for? Right. Mm -hmm. At some point, you're, that's the exchange. Um, so if you were to recommend how to start finding a why, what does that look like? Oh, that's a deep question. And that's a great question. The why is different for everybody and most people never find it. So how do I, I just say, ask the question, why am I doing what I'm doing? That's the first step is why do I do what I do? Why did I choose rodeo? And I'm like, well, I know why I chose rodeo. My dad was a rodeo guy. Right. And we were out there and I hated it half the time. <laughs> and I even quit for a while. And I, even when I got back to where I'm like, man, I missed it. And I got back into it, I still wanted to quit sometimes when it wasn't going my way because I didn't know my why. It's just something I knew how to do and I kind of enjoyed it and my friends were doing it, so I just did it. And I wanted to dominate and be the best. And the reason I was doing it, when I was going at them, I was the, I was the guy who won the fast time every time. But I have very few average checks. Right. Because if you're going at them every time, you're going to wave off, you're going to miss Dally, you're going to mishandle them, you're not setting your partners up every single time. But I won, I, I remember, I mean, and this is 20 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, I, I'm almost 50, guys, so 28 years ago, I won, and I counted, I won 19 out of 21 ropings fast time. And I'm like, and I won two average checks. The good news is back in the they like, paid yeah the, the USTRC days they they paid a lot of money to win yes, fast times so yes it wasn't so that I always had feedback is probably more I had it. the mentality if there's money up I'm gonna go get it yeah why everybody else is safety up but also I was trying to prove to the world that I'm better than you to my competition because that's where I got my self worth from so this is what comes back to a true strong mental game has nothing to do with the doing has everything to do with knowing yourself and that you are created and you have value irregardless if you win, lose, or draw. Your value doesn't go up or down based on winning or losing. As a human being, your value, now it might go up with sponsorship, it might go up with the people you get a rope with, it might go up in some people's eyes, but does your mom and dad hate you if you miss and love you when you catch? And that's it. Yeah, no. I mean, none of that's really tied to it, like the, the personal relationships with people that truly care, right? And, and this is the problem that I had, 
And I'm just going back and kind of spilling my heart a little bit. I was so insecure. I needed outside approval. So I was there going full gas, full throttle, trying to beat you. I didn't want to beat you by a tenth. I wanted to beat you by four seconds, maybe 10, just to show you that I'm worthy and I'm the best one here. And I needed someone to say, hey, good job. You're awesome. And I was doing it for the wrong why. I didn't realize that it was just come from a place of insecurity. Now I have no fears because now I know who I am. Now, believing in yourself is one thing, but knowing who you are gives you the freedom to step out. And if you want to go skydive, I'm not, let's go skydive. If you want to go enter an open rope right now, let's go. If you want to, I have no fear of trying to impress anybody else. I'm going to go do what I know how to do with confidence. And a lot of times the byproduct of doing what you know how to do with confidence is pretty successful. There's a lot to, to unwrap there. Uh, um, telling you. The why is, I love this, asking yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing at the moment, right? So start addressing the why, and then that goes back to this decision. Uh, this is, if I want to go a certain path, I made the decision. And if you're constantly self-evaluating, asking why, like all, all of these things, well, if you continue to do the right things, you'll go down the right path, right? So the right things will start happening. Um, I think the big thing with this that a lot of us probably, and I mean, I know I would personally get caught up in this a lot, is the time in which it happens. I think the patience is a big thing, right? And that's where the patience and the process really has to be adapted. Is that correct? That's kind of the next thing because it's like you, you want this, um, you want to be successful, and you want this to happen, and you probably want it more right than now. anything right now. And and this is one thing, I, I've i kind of asked myself this a lot, um, and to kind of go down a spiritual route with it a little bit, but I personally wonder, like, does God want us, when we say God wants you to be successful, well, what does that mean? Like, especially when they start tying it to, like, competition, because I really don't think God cares whether you win or lose. And like, it's just my experience. I think it's more like wants to see you overcome and, and work through things and become a better person. And usually do that by trials, by struggle, you know, and keep like fighting through something hard. So I think that's kind of my take from it. But from a spiritual standpoint, what do you think about that as far as like the struggle and the actual like process of that goes like how what is the outlook to have once you've got your why once you've made your decision then there's this road and there may never be if there's a destination it might not be a big enough goal right like i i think awesome. that i think that's i don't know i i think a process oriented mindset is well let's go with healthy that, i don't that know spiritual I don't know side that you're talking about let's let's go there it is so valuable especially for me understanding god not just believing in god i don't believe in god anymore i know him because as christians who are you created in the image of god right that's it and the father the son the holy spirit where is the holy spirit it's in you it's inside of you it is never, he'll never forsake you. God is the ultimate creator, right? He created everything. 
You're created in his image. You get to create whatever life with free will. You get to create any life you want. And this is what Tenny Training is all about. So I'm going to plug Tenny Training. Everything we do is based on the fact that the power within you, that Holy Spirit within you, is far superior than any condition and circumstance around you. And with your free will, you get to create your life. Create your destiny. And most people don't understand that power already lies within them. They think they have to go get it by accomplishing this, by doing this, by doing that. It's already inherently, when you're created, you're in the, it's already there. You are uniquely you. There's only one you. And you can use the athleticism, the smarts, the intellect. You can use all the abilities that God has given you. He created you with a success mechanism inside. You were meant to be successful because if, and let, let me just go to roping. When you first start roping, you miss a whole lot more than you catch. So why don't you learn, why would you learn how to catch if you're missing more than, because the success mechanism, if you miss a hundred and you catch one, that success mechanism comes in and boom, now you're catching two and missing 98. Now you're catching five. Now all of a sudden you're catching 50 out of a hundred just in that short amount of time because there's a success mechanism that already lives in you that you don't have to activate. How, do you, how does your blood circulate within 33 seconds you know, for your whole body? Takes all the good in, all the bad out. Every 33 seconds, how do you breathe even when you're sleeping? When you're knocked out, you're still breathing. How does all those, because you have a life principle, a life uh, mechanism in you that allows all that to happen and that's where that subconscious mind is. And so when you're talking about the spiritual, when you know spiritually you're created in the image of God there's nothing you can't do and why would you ever be afraid as a Christian there's a quote I tell a lot of people that and if you don't believe in God then infinite intelligence call it what you want there's an intelligent design but I know it's God based on the study and in the intuition that I have but there's that success mechanism that lives in you to create whatever you want and you can only if you only hit that bullseye if you're playing darts one out of a hundred the chances of you hitting it again go up ten thousand percent because of the success you remember the success and then that will lead into something that we can talk to that a lot of people spend i spend a lot a lot of energy on the wrong side of things mm -hmm.